Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning we have with us Rick Green. And joining us from Texas, we have Curtis. And Rick, you're in Texas too, is that correct? I am. Off air, I was disparaging Curtis's hometown of Coppell only because <laughs> only because I played them in high school every year. Oh, um, uh, in baseball. Really? In, uh, baseball, uh, huh? Yes, yes. Nice. So the Coppell Cowboys. Are they still the Cowboys? I don't even know. They, they are. They're yeah, still they the are. Cowboys. Okay. They're evil. My man. kids They're don't evil. go there, so I'm okay with you if you want to beat them. <laughs> they were always the rich town, man. I lived in the poor, That's you know, right. out in the sticks, wide awake, uh, Wiley, and we had to play the rich boys. Yeah. Wiley, yes. And Wiley's grown up quite a bit since then. You it's wouldn't recognize it. Yeah, yeah. Big houses and stuff. I guess it wasn't like that when you were there. No, it was country, man. It was country. Yeah. Yeah, a lot well, of around here was country. Now it's it's getting a little less country. Well, Curtis uh, grew up in California, Southern California. So yeah. he went to high school in the, not Los Angeles, but San Bernardino County, which is right next to L.A. But uh, Rick, we brought you on today Found because way to God's country, Curtis, smart man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someday we'll get Lucas. Someday. That's right. Hey, I'm trying. Well, uh, we brought Rick on because Rick is the founder of Patriot Academy. He also teaches the Second Amendment courses at Front Sight in Nevada. Is that correct, Rick? Yeah, do we do the... uh, what's called a constitutional defense course, uh, um, not just at Front Sight, but uh, places all over the country. But that's that's where we've done the most of our most of our training. We love doing we love shooting and we love the Constitution, so we have a good time doing both. Amen. Well, gun violence saves lives, Rick. Amen, right, man, brother. <laughs> I may write a book with that title and give you credit in the forward. Hey, you know, I, I just want 10%. That's all. 10%. <laughs> that's so good. I, I still, I'm telling you, for your listeners, I, I still remember, I mean, you brought the house down at Patriot Academy. I don't know, uh, was that four years ago, five years ago? Gosh, uh, I think it was, it was, yeah, something like that. It was so good, man. Was, so good. You have a gift. You have a gift for taking those subjects. And just teaching them incredibly powerfully. I mean, it's just uh, love you, brother. So thankful for you. I appreciate that a lot. I really was impressed with what you guys were doing in Patriot Academy there in Austin. I was impressed that you had it at the state capitol. And I got to go into that building. And I got to see how, what an amazing place that is. It's just a really fancy place. Uh, I also liked when we went through the security that that you could take a weapon in there, which I, I thought, no, this is an enlightened place right here. Lucas, you get a, you get the fast lane. If you, if you have a yeah. license, That's you right. get to skip the long line. You go through the fast lane. That is a reason to have the concealed carry right there is that you can, even if you're not carrying, you know, you're just like, okay, there you go. There's my card. Um, That's what freedom feels like. That's right. That's right. Wow. And and uh, to be in that room, Rick, you were in that room at some point yourself, right? As a legislator, you served in the in the Texas state legislature. Long time Slater. ago, before electricity, before cars. Um, <laughs> at least it feels like it was that long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, did, I did a couple of tours. You rode your horse. Yeah, I rode, my, I rode my horse to the Capitol from Dripping Springs, where I live. Um, yeah, so I and actually that's how Patriot Academy started. I was I was sitting on the the House floor, frustrated, um, honestly disappointed in the process. You know, I really thought when I got elected, I thought, man, we're going to go debate the big issues of the day, and both sides <laughs> will line up, and it'll be great. You know, intellectual warfare, and the best arguments will win. Ha! That never happens. 
And uh, it was just always finger to the wind, man. People um, just so little conviction, I think, is what really bothered me. So few people that really could articulate from a principal's perspective why they were taking the position they were. And so that's yeah. when we started Patriot Academy. We said, we're not going to change these folks that are already here, uh, but we can raise up a new generation that that is really grounded in conservative philosophy, founding fathers philosophy, really understand the Constitution, and also just be good at it. You know, too often people that share our philosophy are not very good at articulating. It's one reason I was bragging on you. I mean, it's a, it's a rare thing yeah. that someone that really believes the things we believe can actually get that across without sounding silly. And, um, and so we wanted to raise up young people that could do that, that they got it, they believed it, but they could also articulate it well. Yeah. And that was really great to see all those young people excited to be there. I mean, there was lots of people. I don't even know how many, but it, it just seemed like it was at least over a hundred, at least of well, young, I, young people. I, I, Young I got to get you back this year because this year we're going to have, it's going to be really cool, man. We're going to have uh, probably 125 or so young people. That's the, our target range is 16 to 25. I, I designed it that way. Cause that's when they're really, as you know, developing and cementing yeah. what they believe, not what does mom yeah. and dad believe or whoever, what do I believe? Right? Their own beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, so that that's going to be the house side, but on the Senate side, we're going to pack it full of military veterans and they're going to be getting their experience actually from inside the belly of the beast. And all of them, all the military veterans, when they go through this, they always tell me, now I know what I was fighting for. Now I understand how a mm -hmm. constitutional republic works. And then we're going to have a ton of our constitution coaches there to testify in committee, to make it feel more like a real session, uh, but also for them to get to go through all of that training as well. So it's going to be a packed house, man. We're going to take over the Capitol and it's going to be a super inspiring week for everybody. That's awesome. Man, that gives me hope for the future, I tell you. And it's hard to have hope out here in California. Um, but, um, Rick, can you, uh, take us, uh, when I think of you, I think of like a Texas version of Ben Shapiro, except for much more likable. And I have nothing against Ben Shapiro. You have to be honest with you. I have nothing against him. It's that he talks so fast, but he, he you are so much more jovial than he is. I mean, <clears throat> I, I think I would want to have a cigar with you. I don't know if I'd want to have a cigar with Ben Shapiro. I don't know if Ben Shapiro ever ben Shapiro slows down. smoke cigars. That's He's like, blah, 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 blah. okay, that's, that's what it is. You can smoke cigars okay. with Andrew Clavin. You can smoke cigars with Jeremy Boring, with Michael Knowles, uh, with, uh, okay. with, with, uh, with uh, Matt Walsh. All those guys smoke cigars. Ben okay. does not smoke cigars. Okay. No, ben is so brilliant, though. He's so much smarter than me. I think that's why he's less jovial. Because yeah. he sees the whole field and sometimes gets depressed, probably. Well, he grew <laughs> up in L.A. too. More, you know, I tend to focus on the positive. I know the negatives there. He, 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 I go, how do we change that? But I'm just, I guess I'm just a glass half full kind of guy. I'm always going to believe we can turn it around. And I think we can. I don't know that we can save the whole country. I, you might be surprised. I'm kind of at this point where hmm. I think we've got to start being strategic and saying, all right, we're going to have to let some blue states be really blue. Mm -hmm. And then some red states be really red and let people vote with their feet. And America's not going to look the same as what it has. Yeah. Well, in the age of Zoom, that might actually be possible. Yeah. It wasn't always possible to do that. But what this, what this, um, I, what I call a public health panic, I wouldn't yes. say it was a crisis. I say it was a panic. And that was actually the problem was it was a panic. That's right. This public health panic taught us that, um, you are really at the mercy of local politicians in many cases. I mean, it was a very big difference between Orange County and L.A. County here. Yeah. You just walk right across the line. And uh, in, in 
24 hour fitness, for example, you couldn't even come in without a mask. That's, you know, and then, you know, in Orange County, I mean, they, they were like mask. What are you talking about? Well, and, and counties and, and it was like two blocks away. Yeah. Counties in Texas weren't immune same. to that either. I mean, Dallas, okay. the same way Dallas was like uh, L.A. and and Tarrant was like Orange County. And Austin is still nuts. I mean, they're yeah. they're, they're still doing all the covid nonsense. And uh, yeah. and I think maybe it was a good scary. It was a good way for us to realize county government matters, man. Who your sheriff is yeah. really matters. Who your oh, county yeah. judge really matters. And, and and getting people to focus more on local, not just Congress or our state legislature. And that may, you know, kind of modify what I said earlier. That may mean, too, that we end up, I love thinking outside the box and thinking about how to remake this thing in, in America so it works again. But but it means uh, focusing on counties. Where In California, you've got some counties that are more conservative than most counties in Texas, right? So if you go to Yuba City up north of Sacramento, I mean, that's a conservative county. I went there in, in July of 2020. Nobody <laughs> wearing masks. Nobody doing, and I'm like, this is better than Texas. What is, what is going on here? Um, they probably had but, guns. But yeah, everybody had a gun. I mean, the pastor yeah. at the church I was at had a gun. I mean, yeah. I've trained with his son before. You know, no, I, I think you could do, you can do county level freedom. We can have bastions of liberty that are protected, basically sanctuary counties, right? Kind of like, I mean, the yeah. left started the whole sanctuary county thing. We need to seize on <laughs> and say, we're going to make sanctuary counties for liberty. And uh, I think that's, I think that's happening. I think, Richard Mack and some of the stuff he's doing for sheriffs and getting them to understand their authority and what they can do. Um, I think we got to think outside the box, man, because we got a mess. I mean, we have a real mess right now and you've watched it firsthand. I mean, the, you know, two generations now of the poison of cultural Marxism being taught to these kids, a lot of them have bought into it. And so we don't have the same value system in America. We, we, we don't have that common ground for all Americans and we've got to start looking for ways to self-separate and still, you know, everybody go live your version of freedom, if you will. Uh, but somehow yeah. we together as a nation. Now, Rick, uh, another, uh, I think the link. Coffee mug, toxic masculinity. I don't know if you can see that. It's, uh... Oh, wow. You're corrupting us. <laughs> now, Rick, we were, um, another issue, the a link that I noticed with Shapiro, is I think he went to UCLA when he was like, what, 12 or something. And right. you went. You, it was like before his bar mitzvah, you know, he's taking his midterm. Um, you, you graduated from law school, like really young, right? How old were you when you graduated? Well, I graduated from law college really young and then okay. started law school really young. And then I got bored and went and started a business. So I left law school for three or four years. So oh, by the wow. time I came back and graduated, I was normal law school age. My wife wouldn't even go out with me, man. I, I, I met her while I was in law school and I asked her out and she found out I was in law school. So she thought I was really old. But I was only like 19 or 20. I can't remember. And uh, but she thought I was like 30. You know, maybe I always had She's like, no way. I'm That's like, awesome. I had to chase her for a while before she finally went out with me and she found out I wasn't old. Anyway. Yeah. So I was young out of college. I did college really fast. And then uh, and then law school, I took twice as long as everybody else because I left. Had enough of those crazies. Is UT law, so you can imagine how I was like. It was me against the the whole class and the professor in virtually every class. Oh <laughs> which my was gosh! Good. I mean, it made me train. You know, it was good for yes. my skill level. <laughs> a good boot camp. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was good boot camp. That's right. What did you major in in college? Finance, actually. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And so, what what was it in college? I mean, what, what, at one point, did you how did you go from finance to I'm going to go to law school? <laughs> I actually did mock trial in high school, and I, I remember 
you know, when I walked in that courtroom in mock trial, I felt like, okay, this is my kingdom. I can dominate here. I don't know. I just had this feeling of <laughs> this is an area that I can do. And we did, we did really in little old wide awake Wiley. We went all the way to state, did all, you know, kicked butt, all these five, a schools and all that. So awesome. I fell in love with that. And so I did law school. I mean, I did undergrad finance cause I thought I always want to be able to fall back on business. And I was always kind of an entrepreneur anyway. And so I thought if I don't like practicing law, um, I still want to have the law degree and, and, and I'm glad I did it. I honestly, I don't practice much law at all anymore, uh, but it really did help when I ran for office. I was only 26 when I ran for office. So having that law degree made a big difference, gave you, gave me credibility, um, you know, just dealing with policy issues, dealing with legislation and even in business. I mean, all the businesses I've started having that law degree helped so much, um, helped me avoid issues, helped me deal with my attorneys better. So yeah. I'm glad. I wish more conservatives would go to law school, not even with the intention of practicing law, but just to get that grounding and then go use it in, in other arenas. Gotcha. Are you, uh, did you have a happy childhood? <laughs> I, I was pretty spoiled, man. Honestly. I mean, I had a great, uh, you know, great childhood, a great, great parents. You know, my sister beat the crap out of me all the time. But other than that, uh, no, she was great. She I, I, honestly, the reason I got ahead in school was because of her, because we homeschooled for a while. I did it all homeschool, private school, public school. And and she was two years older than me. So she would teach me not only my stuff, but she would teach me all her stuff. So I was able to work ahead. So I finished uh, school in like eighth grade and then went over to the public school in ninth grade because I wanted to play baseball and I wanted to do mock trial and debate and all that stuff but I'd already done all those classes. So I just sit in class and doodle or work on something. I mean, I, it was like a, a joke, man. It was like vacation for me. I just got to have fun, chase girls, whatever, you know? And um, so I, I did, I had a great time. Uh, and, and I, honestly, I got way ahead because of my sister. She really, she really made that possible. So That's yeah, cool. I, I, I had so little tragedy. I, I have to admit, I mean, I'm spoiled. I've had so little tragedy in my life. Um, you know, that it's just, that, just you and your sister. Was it just you, just you two? Well, I had two, two sisters and, okay. and, uh, and, and no brothers. So maybe that that's why I love smoking cigars mm -hmm. with guys like you. I, I love, yeah, yeah. you know, I think we all, I think all men long for that, right? We all long for that brotherhood. It's why fraternities and all that. I mean, uh, and it's tough guys. I mean, there's so yes. few men today that have a circle of brothers that they can sit around the fire and smoke cigars with and talk about life and talk about the tough issues and, talk about their own challenges and their own yeah. struggle. And, you know, that is missing big time, uh, in our, yes. in our culture. And we really encourage guys to find a few friends that you can, you can Absolutely. build that with. You know, I, I wonder if it's a basic issue like that, that could be part of the solution in California, mm -hmm. because I think people are just isolated from each other. Yeah. And I think men are isolated from uh, healthy men, healthy communities of men. I agree. There's so much, there's so much, there's so many people that are just not involved in California and it's enough. I mean, the margins are there. It's enough to actually, if they were involved and engaged and they were healthy, um, to take back the state. Shoot, man, if the churches in California, yes, get involved, if, if, if amazing 10% of the churches would be like Jack Hibbs over in Chino and, and Rob McCoy up in Thousand Oaks, if 10% oh, of the yeah. churches would do that you guys would take California back. There's more conservatives in California yeah. than any other state, right? I mean, there's, yeah. no, there's no doubt about it. Even after all the mass exodus of business people. Yeah, yeah. But I'll say this on the fellowship thing, because I do think, and you know I'm not a conspiracy guy at all, but 
I do think that was a big part of the whole reset thing and the whole COVID crackdowns and all of that is it isolated people and it made yes. them feel alone. It made them feel like the world was falling apart around them and they couldn't do anything about it. Um, mm -hmm. One of the reasons that we kept doing our live events and, and people would, I'm not kidding you, they would come to our live events and walk up crying. I mean, there was such mm -hmm. a yeah. um, vacuum of that fellowship, touching another human being, hugging another guy and just saying, Hey man, I love you, brother. It's good to see you. And um, I mean, it was, it was really, it was an interesting, I almost wanted to do a case study on it because it was so interesting to see the emotion that came whenever we physically got together and, and had that fellowship. I think COVID was a disaster for that. And not COVID, it wasn't the virus. It was the government reaction to the virus. And, and from the yes. very beginning, guys like y'all and us, I mean, we were saying, this is dangerous. This is bad. Mm -hmm. You're going to create all kinds of addictions, all kinds of domestic, increased domestic violence, increased suicides. This is not, this, this is psychologically harmful. And they yes. just, man, the, the, the most highly educated idiots in history were running the world and they didn't care. I mean, they just didn't care. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to take us to recover from it. But I think a lot of these kids, man, I think the damage is uh, is yes. very bad. I think it's going to take a long time. But what you just said is part of the solution, finding ways to get people together. Um, there's a really cool I was going to go this year. I, I love coming to California, but there's a really cool church down in San Diego. Awaken. And they uh, and they do this massive men's retreat. I mean, I'm talking like I think it's like three thousand guys and they do all these tug of wars and paintball fights. And uh, it's almost like buds training. It's like they're trying to be Navy SEALs. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> you watch the video and you go, oh, the man, the manhood in you goes, I want some of that. I want to go. You know, yeah, it's yeah. so cool. And I've got some buddies at that church have been trying to get me there for for years. But I think more opportunities like that is what we need. I, I think we need that. The guys and the gals. Gals need their, their opportunity. Yes. I know y'all probably that's right. You're in California, so you don't know this, but guys and girls are different. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> are you a hateful person, Rick? Do you have hate in your heart? That sounds I told you my sister beat me up as a kid. So yes. No. I'm, tr I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine like, you know, good old Abraham Lincoln saving the union and he makes a comment about men and women being different and then they he's like they're, they're like, you hate people, you hate people, you're a hateful person. <laughs> I mean, how could you even contemplate that that would be an issue ever, ever in the future? Oh, <laughs> just, just noticing basic things. Yeah. Rick, uh, Rick, I've met your children, and I'll just say that uh, one of the reasons I like you so much is because I have met your children. Mm. And I'll say that the first thing that strikes me about your children is they seem to be happy. And it's one of the biggest compliments I can give you um, with so much crap happening. And, you know, you do what you do, which is the good, the bad and the ugly. I, for those of you who don't know who Rick Green is, uh, you can follow him on Facebook. He's been doing these uh, front porch live events. Yeah. Uh, I don't catch every single one of them, but I, I catch a lot of them. And uh, they they are it's you on the front porch. I guess it's your, I haven't been to your house, so I don't know exactly, but it, okay, there's a, there's a fireplace. Actually the side porch. Okay. Don't tell but you have a fireplace on your porch, which, you know, that's half the reason I, and, um, and in the, in the wintertime, you have that fire going and uh, your kids are up there over there stoking it while you're talking and, and you call it the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And I love that you always focus on something good. And then you always focus on something that needs to be improved and changed. And you always have some kind of hope and, and optimism for people. 
Be, and, and, and during this last two years, that was really important for people. It was very important, like especially last year after the election. And um, no, now I just said the E word. So, okay. So yeah, I, I, Brad Cummings, we had him on. He talked for three hours and he said EF two times in three hours and YouTube took it down because of misses. They said it was not. Are in, you kidding me? Well, anyway, yeah, I was like, I, so I appealed a couple of weeks later. I, I listened to it again and I was like, okay, come on guys. He, so we're trying to avoid the F word, you know, which F word I'm talking about. Um, it's not even four letters. That's I know it's right? not even, but you know, it's just like, so I think it's like a, a program that scans for that word it's like ee, it's like terminator or something anyway but um who would have thought we would live in a day where i know it's crazy but well, the private company they can do whatever they want to do and pe people say that and it's yeah. like well okay so in other words we don't have to have masks in our restaurant then is that what you're saying no no exactly i just had that conversation <laughs> with i don't know if you ever you should have brad stein on you'd love him he's uh Oh yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you know Brad. He's funny. He's funny. Oh, he's I've never met him in person, but he he would be a fun interview for you. Y'all would have, okay. have a great time. I was just on his uh, show last night, and uh, and we were <laughs> talking about all of that, you know. And and uh, he, he what's great about Brad is he makes you laugh, and then he just punches you right in the face with some <laughs> truth, right? Like he's got you laughing, and then boom, you know, it's a it's just a gift. Uh, it's nail with them when you're vulnerable. So important, yeah. you know. We need those yeah. guys like him. They can use the arts to to do that but what, what you don't know is uh when we're doing that front porch live and the kids are coming over and stoking the fire that when they go back and get off camera they have their cigars too it's not fair i don't get to smoke my cigar on my front porch live my wife won't let me she's like the homeschoolers will freak out you can't do it so yeah <clears throat> well yeah and you take your kids to front site for training for firearms <laughs> training and i remember you have this one daughter got his pipe i love it you have a daughter i think her name is cameron that's right yeah and she she's a dainty little thing i don't know how old she is but she couldn't i mean she looked like a teenager to me and she's handling this glock <laughs> it might have been even been a 1911 I, I don't even know it was like but it looks like your kids can handle like a 1911 and I, I was like, the fact that even know what a 1911 is, <laughs> you know, I love it. I love it. It's, don't, you know, don't have a cigar, but, but uh, uh, honey, would you hand me the block? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that you're, and, and what I, what I was a video clip that I, the only reason I'm mentioning is because it was a public video clip. Otherwise I wouldn't talk about your kids, but, sure, no problem. but, um, but it was this public thing. I think it was an ad or something that you had for, it, I, for think it was, I bet it was the, uh, sheep dogs with ponytails. It was something, it was an ad for the training. And I, I was like, Oh, I know that. I know her. She's that's Rick Green's daughter. Yeah. And, and she was so confident. And I just remember thinking, Mo, I've been teaching in LA for 15 years and 95% of the women students that I have are not as confident as her. And she's younger than they are. And I'm, I, I thought if there's a way to get that message, I mean, it's something as basic as being able to defend yourself from a deadly altercation or something that could cause great bodily harm. That's the legal standard for deadly force in California in self-defense. I mean, even in California, crazy, crazy California. It's still part of America. Can you the believe it? Nature still work. They, they still work in California. But even that, I mean, just 
you know, obviously her confidence is probably in the confidence of your other children is probably um, rooted spiritually to, to, to a large extent, but, but having that confidence that you can protect yourself and you don't have to wait. You can be your own first responder. Um, huge, man. How did you, how did you come to that? When you were raising your kids, how did, how did you, were you just always enlightened like that? Or no. did you, did you no, stumble into that? I was so naive on this subject. I really was. I mean, I, I was, I was, there's a proverb that says um, a wise person foresees danger and takes precaution, but a fool walks blindly on and suffers the consequence. I was the fool. I mean, I, most of my life up until I was 42, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I shot guns around the ranch. I had no training. I didn't know what I didn't know. <clears throat> I didn't even carry my handgun, even though I had a handgun license because I knew I deep down, I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And I was the God and guns guy. I mean, I, I have a Charlton Heston ad. I mean, he, Char Moses stumped for me because <laughs> I passed the bill in Texas to stop cities from suing gun manufacturers 20 years ago. I fought Andrew Cuomo. He was secretary of HUD <clears throat> and they were suing the gun makers, blaming them for crime. You know, it's ridiculous. You were behind that law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's law in California or sorry, Texas right now. Yeah. It's, it's law in Texas now. Yeah. Wow. It, congratulations. It bill I passed and, and, um, so I was, you know, like, honestly, most conservatives, I was championing Second Amendment, right, to keep and bear arms, but I wasn't doing it. I wasn't living it out. I was, I, I kind of had this naive, you know, God will take care of me. I don't have to worry about it. It won't happen in my neighborhood. And I actually ended up going through my first course for my son. He was 16. My oldest son had turned 16, and somebody gave us certificates to go through a class. And he's got a, he's got a great name, too, by the way. You talking about Trey? Oh, is that your oldest son? Reagan's my second one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't think I've met Trey. Okay. Yeah, he's he's my oldest, and then okay. Reagan Reagan's my second, and then Cameron, the daughter you were talking about, is third, and then my youngest is Rhett. They're all okay. grown. They're, Rhett's nineteen now. Uh, but um, we went through that class, man, and I'm telling you guys, I, it was a wake up call, big time for me, big time. Mm. I even made a. We, uh, Reagan actually is really good with video, and he just made a. <clears throat> a dramatic reenactment re re of my experience where I went through this simulation house and I really, I mean, it was like I was in the moment and I froze. I absolutely froze. So had that been real life, my family would have been harmed, possibly dead because mm. I didn't train. I didn't prepare. And so I came home from that and, and told Trey on the way back, I said, we're coming, you know, not just once a year, we're going to come five times a year until I get rid of my angst and rid of my, my lack of skill. <clears throat> and so that's when we caught the fire. I, I, I became very uh, passionate about it at that point. And, and then when you had all these mass murder events as you, and I, and I steal your language all the time, Lucas, I mean, I, I was just on an interview yesterday and they were talking about the Sacramento shooting. And I was like, guys, stop calling it a mass shooting. Mass shooting is what happens when we train at the range. That's mass shooting. <laughs> this is a mass murder event. Um, uh -huh. Whether they use a bat or a gun or a car, 92% of violent crimes are committed without a gun. So why are we keeping yeah. you know, on the gun? Yeah. But when I realized Good. that, you know, there's 4 million of those a year and it's happening in towns just like my little town of Dripping Springs and other places around the country and families just like mine are being harmed all the time because they weren't ready. And then when I read the founding fathers and James Wilson saying, you're the, your house is your castle. And if you're robbed in your home, it's your own fault and negligence. I'm going, man, that's a duty. This isn't just a right. I shouldn't just be giving speeches talking about the second amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. I should be accepting the responsibility to spend the time and money to train, to actually live that out. Yeah. God forbid it happens. But if it happens then I'm a sheepdog that can defend my family. And so as these mass murder events were happening, and I would just get so mad. I mean, I don't know if I can say pissed on your program, but I would get pissed <laughs> off because these guys would walk for 15 minutes up and down the aisle murdering people. 
and nobody's there to take this nut job out. And and so everybody thinks such a basic thing. It's so yeah, basic. It's so basic. And 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 everybody's dependent on the police. They can't be everywhere. Yeah. You wouldn't want that. It's a police state. So I got really passionate about it. And we've put 5,000 people through that course in the last three and a half years. Wow. We hope to put another 15, 20,000 through in the next few years. And it's like what you experienced. I bet you and I could swap some similar stories. Most of the people we train, uh, we train more women than men. Most of them had never touched a gun in their life. They come in there very, oh, I mean, we have people with trauma that come in crying the first day when those guns are going off. Yeah. And by the end of that course, man, that confidence you're talking about, not quite to the level that, you know, when you see that in Cameron, she trained for at that point, five years, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, but the difference, I know you get to, it's like, it's the coolest thing in the world when you see that lady or that guy, whoever at the end of that training and they're, and they're thanking you and they've got that, you know, yeah. desire and that confidence. And then they come back for more. I just love it, man. I, I think we need to be doing more and more of it. And uh, I'm glad you're doing it there. I'm glad we're doing it. I, I, whoever's watching and listening to this, get training somewhere, whether it's local or you go to one of these other programs, get training. It's a responsibility, not just a right. Well, we'll link that, that information. If you want, we'll link Patriot Academy and we'll link uh, your training at front site. If you have those links, we're, in um, fact, we're doing one May 22nd. You may have been there. I'd never been there before, but uh, the NRA has this place called the Whittington center out in New Mexico. It's out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. in the mountains. It's gorgeous. Oh my gosh. It is so beautiful. And mm -hmm. so we're doing our next one out there. May 22nd. Oh, cool. It's cool. going to be fun, man. Now, yeah. when you do the when you do the training, uh, it's firearms training. It's you you shoot how many rounds a day? You think the the handgun defense class is about eight hundred rounds by the end of the week. It's a it's that's a, a lot. Yeah, four and a half day class. Um, when we do it at front site, theirs is a little bit different. They do six hundred rounds, and it's four days. The one we're doing in New Mexico, it's all former front site instructors or current front site instructors that we okay. put together as a team to 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 travel and do some of these other courses. And uh, so we've modified it a little bit and uh, it'll be, you know, six to 800. We, we do encourage a lot of dry practice. So especially if somebody's struggling, you know, they're going to do and it, or if they can't afford to do, I mean, cause that's expensive. 800 rounds is, is not cheap. No, it's them, very expensive. Drills, yeah. Just dry practice instead of loading up. And, and you're going to yeah. get better through dry practice, as you know, uh, than, than you will always load it anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Now all handgun. we only do handgun. We, they, they have okay. rifle, shotgun, hand to hand, advanced classes, all that good stuff. But most people, you know, we just we, we try to get them through that basic class. So our main thing is just basic handgun. You know, I do think shotguns probably the best home defense weapon. So I do encourage people to get a shotgun class, uh, you know, go through a shotgun. class. Okay, hold on. Let me take a note of that. Shotgun is the best. So let me cross out sword. I had you as a sword guy. Okay, so not swords. <laughs> not so just a pocket knife is all I need. What are you talking about? Okay. All right. So I got it. Shot. How do you say it? Shotgun. All right, I'll look into, I'll research that. Um, so you, you, I think I spied a forty-five on your hip at one point. Uh, how did you choose that? Nineteen eleven forty-five. Is it was it a forty-five or is it a nine millimeter? It's American. Well, it was a forty-five when you saw me. It's now a nine millimeter. I got I got that same model gun, Gun Crafter. It's a really expensive gun, but it is amazing. It's never malfunctioned. It's an awesome gun. I never could find a 1911 that was nine mil that didn't malfunction. I mean, I tried every company out there because mm -hmm. I just wanted more rounds, basically, you know. And, yeah. Um, and this gun crafter, one of the guys at front side, he told me, he said, man, I'm telling you, this nine mil gun crafter 1911 I, is is the best gun you'll ever you'll ever shoot. And uh, so I finally got one. And now it's my baby, man. I packed that. And then I asked my wife if she wants to go. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's my best friend now. But but I. I 
was Glock, man. Initially, I was a Glock guy. Um, I, I, I tried a 1911 at, at a class, and and uh, first time I took those headshots with a 1911, I was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I have found my baby. <laughs> One of the things I – All my boys went yeah, back, though. All good. my boys are traders. They all went back to Glock. Every, <laughs> everybody went 1911 in our family, and then they, went, they all went back to Glock, which is not good tactically, right? I mean, in our home, we should all be – using the same gun so we can exchange magazines and all that. So we're not being very smart right now. There you go. I won't give up my 1911. They've all gone to clock, but I won't give up my 1911. The easy fix is just carry two. <laughs> That's right. That's good. Walking dead fix. Okay. Well, um, you know, that's uh, the, the thing that strikes me about Patriot Academy and wall builders and, and the folks that you hang out with is, it seemed like everybody has quotes right on the tip of their tongue from from people in that founding generation or two, the, the early people that got the ideas of America, right? I mean, yes, some of them had slaves and, and uh, there was a problem with slavery at the very beginning, obviously. Um, Everywhere, but, right? Not just yeah. America, how do you planet every country? Yeah. Yeah. How do you understand how? How can we be uh, so excited about America when there was slavery at the beginning? How do you handle that? Yeah, we always tell everybody, you got to look at it in context. Uh, it was the condition of mankind, every single nation, uh, black on black slavery, black on white slavery, white on black slavery, every combination you can think of, white on white, red, you name it. Um, and and that what was unique was that because of the American principles, we were actually able to lead the way. People think today that we were drug across the finish line as the last ones to end slavery. We were the first one <laughs> yeah. to ban the slave trade. Number one, we beat England by three weeks. We were the fourth nation on the planet to end slavery after a war that cost, you know, 600,000, all that stuff. And when so you I say, when you say the word we, you mean the Democratic Party, right? <laughs> That's such or, an important point. See, did, did I get that wrong? Hold on a sec. Let me. Uh, <laughs> so was it the Democratic Party that ended it slavery? Is, it has always been the racist Democrats from from the beginning of this country. It has been the racist Democrats that have wanted to hold on to slavery, that have divided our people based on race, that had white only primaries, that did Jim Crow. Um, every time there's been a division of our people based on color of skin or uh, religion or any of those things, it's been the racist Democrats doing that. And that's not, I'm not being partisan. I'm just that's just a historical fact. You're and just describing. You're not evaluating. You're just describing. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like you remember last summer whenever the those Democrats in Texas took off in their private jets and their and their Miller Lite oh, yeah. and they went to D.C. then went out and hid so that yeah we couldn't pass you know I, I got to be careful with my language we couldn't pass bills that would have integrity in certain areas uh, that are important to a republic working let's put it right that way. right um, and so <clears throat> they went off and and hid in D.C. flew their private jets no masks they all got COVID it was hilarious mm. um, and so I was telling people on the news I was like. This is nothing new. This is what the Democrats do in order to maintain racism and in order to divide people when it comes to elections. They did it in 1871. The same thing. We were passing the bill that would create the state police in Texas to fight the KKK, who was an arm of the Democrat Party, preventing blacks from voting. They were doing voter intimidation of blacks and not letting them vote. And so we're carrying We're running a bill through the legislature. It gets to the Senate. And the Democrats in the Senate all run off and hide. They didn't have the private jet or the Miller Lite back then. So they went and hid. What year was that? What year was that? 1871. 1871. So they went and hid in an office in the Capitol. And the, the <laughs> Senate president said to the sergeant in arms, you go find them rascals and you drag them back to the Senate floor. You arrest them and you drag them back to the Senate floor. 
So this guy goes and he's banging on the door. He can't get through the door. He goes outside the Capitol and he dives through the window, dives through the window, rolls into the up in the room and says, all right, boys, the party's over. And he takes them back to the Senate floor. And I think it was eight of them spent three weeks in jail uh, and they only kept enough on the Senate floor to keep a quorum. But that's been the Democrats story. They, they're always yeah. willing to do that kind of thing to maintain racist policies. And I know what that's you, inciting, what, you know, but that's the truth. That's no, just, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, Abraham Lincoln could have run as a Democrat. But he didn't agree with them. He, I mean, look he, at the was, Republican Party was brand new. It was brand new. This was a huge risk to, to yeah. run as a Republican. This is no no Republican had ever won office at that time. Yeah. And, no, and this the whole is, platform this, was about racial equality. I mean, that's the right. Republican platform in 1856 and 1860, seven of nine, I think, if I remember right, the planks on the on 1856, and then like nine mm -hmm. of eleven on eight, uh, 1860, all about racial equity ending slavery, all of that. That's the history, the true history of the Republican Party. And people say there was this switch. There wasn't. The Republican Party has always yeah. been the ones that said rule of law, mm -hmm. blind justice, equality for everybody should be treated the same under the individual law. Individual rights. Yeah. Individual rights. And be concerned about government encroaching on individual rights. That's exactly. kind of like the point of segregation, yeah. like free association, the rights of association, like do, do you have the right to associate with who you, with whom you want to associate? Yeah. There were laws against that, right? Um, and yeah, that's, that's interesting. Another big factor, right? In this thing we talked about earlier, in yeah. terms of people self-separating. Right. Ooh, I like how you talked around that. I, li I love how you talked around that for the, the U-boob sensors, I call them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this, this, I, you do hear when you talk about the beginning of the Republican Party and the end of slavery here, you do hear um, people say that the party switched. And so I love that you went right into that. And I always say, uh, well, Republicans have never been for slavery ever. Right. That's, right. Um, that's that's just a fact. That's a historical fact. The, Repu the Democrats changed their mind eventually, but that's called leadership on the part of Republicans. That's not called switching. Right. That's called leadership on the part of the Republicans. They came over to our side on that issue. And eventually uh, they came over to our side on the whole idea of having a union and respecting our borders. That was all about borders, where the borders are. I had my students say, why are we so, when Trump was elected, why are we so concerned and obsessed about the border? I mean, the Republicans are so obsessed about the border. And I'm like, well, but we've always been obsessed about where the U.S. border is. That was what the Civil War was all about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the Democrats said, um, you know, when they opened fire on Fort Sumter, they were like, that's that's not the U.S. anymore. And, and the U.S. was like, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> the, the, the border is down there. It's down there. You know, you can't change it. You can't just say the border is erased. And anyway, there's a lot of interesting. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I just having what I love about Patriot Academy is the the fire in your bones about uh, learning history, you know, and getting into the ideas and um, getting the quotes right, like the, the sensitivity to what exactly did they say? Yeah, and and and, and being the, the quote right. Like, yeah, the part of the reason we're like that is because we know there's so much to learn from, as you said earlier, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So tell the whole yeah. story of history, 
we can learn from the ugly stuff in our history so that we, we don't repeat it. We, we don't tear down the statues and get rid of them. We take our kids and say, here's what that guy did. I don't want you to be like him. I want you to be like that guy over there. Let me tell you that story. I mean, we should yeah. tell yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly of all of history. And as you know, I am very passionate about, I'm very anti-boring history. Like, I hate boring <laughs> I, I want kids to have fun when they learn, not just memorize dates and names, go live the story through the eyes of the people that experienced it. And that's what, you know, wall builders and David Barton really ignited in me 25 years ago when I first heard David talk about the founders and tell the stories of what happened at the sign of the declaration and all that. It gave me a, a real interest in those things. And now I'm a big believer that there's so much to learn from that historical perspective you know, there's nothing new under the sun. So everything mm -hmm. that we're facing today, somebody has dealt with that in some way, shape or form in the past. So we can learn what worked, what didn't work. And, 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 and even if you don't share faith, the, a particular, you know, faith perspective or our party or any of that kind of stuff, we should all be willing to learn from what works and what doesn't work and just have a practical, logical perspective of, no, we've seen that policy be implemented and here's what it did. The principles of liberty produce good results every time. The principles of tyranny produce bad results every time. And part of the reason I'm jovial, like you were talking about earlier, yeah. is because when I see this destruction in our country and I see these bad, bad results, they're the result of bad policies that bad leaders have put in place, and we can change that. I don't despair because I can follow that, that train and I can go mm. back to the beginning, the other side of the equation and go, okay, we know what's producing that. If we change the inputs, we get a different output. It really is that simple. It's no different than personal you know, skills or tools. If we got things mm. in our life that we want to get rid of, Zig Ziglar was a mentor of mine. He wrote the forward of, of my book and he always said, you can wow, that's a big deal. And where you are. I, I mean, you can change who you are and what you are by changing what goes into your mind. You are who you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. Yeah. So you change wow. the inputs. You get a different output and it's the same for culture. It's the same for society. We got some really bad ad out inputs that have been poured into our culture for decades. We're not going to change that overnight. That's going to take a generation to change. So we've got a lot of work to do. I think it's going to get ugly before, you know, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think people that love Liberty are going to have to buck up, man. They're going to have to say, I'm going to have to make tough decisions. I'm going to have to possibly, you know, give more and more of my money to causes out there and to candidates. So, so I'm going to have to sacrifice financially. I'm going to have to sacrifice my time. I'm going to start studying the Constitution, studying freedom. I'm going to start, you know, yeah. doing the things that it takes. It's almost like, you know, if we were in physical war, if World War III does break out because of all these crazy things, well, if you had to go fight, you would give up a year or two years of your life. You would, your family would sacrifice your kids. Yeah. I mean, all these we are at war. We're in a culture war for the heart and soul of America. And we got to start thinking like that and say, I'm going to start investing 10% of my income into good candidates or good organizations or whatever. I'm going to start investing two hours a week into hosting a constitution class or whatever your particular thing might be. We got to start thinking like that. It's not enough to just sit around and enjoy the blessings of liberty anymore. It's time to accept the burden and say, not on my watch is this thing going to be lost. I'm going to the mat. Well, and you're so saying women and men both both Amen. are a part of this, right? Amen. Yeah. I probably have more female constitution coaches than I do male. You know, there is that right? Oh. Yeah. I mean, there uh, we got 12,000 constitution coaches now. They're hosting these classes all over the nation in their living room or at a church or wherever, but they're getting people together. You were saying it earlier, you know, people feel like they're alone. That's the, the first thing that happens that fellowship. It gives yes. people a chance to fellowship. I mean, our videos are really, really good. The class is really good. It's the mm -hmm. only constitution class. Um, on the planet that you will not actually sleep in. I promise. Uh, so they're really, really good. But the magic happens when the video's over. 
and everybody sitting around that room starts talking and starts having yeah. that iron sharpening iron. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's That's like, a good idea. How does how do they get how do they get set up with that? Being a constitutional coach, PatriotAcademy.com, and the best part is it's free. Uh, it's all free. You can become a coach for free. You can take the class for free. Um, it, it's 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 the reason we've been able to put hundreds of thousands of people through it. Our goal is five million people by the end of 2024. So, oh wow, really is, there, is there an age limit for that? No, no, we have kids that go through it. Homeschool co-ops do it. Whole families do it. Awesome. Um, yeah, man, it's it's anybody and everybody. And zero experience needed, right? You don't have to know anything about, you don't have to be able to name a single founding father. You don't have to know anything about the Constitution. You just become what we call the lead learner. In other words, you get yeah. in the room, you're all learning together. And is this racially segregated or is this... <laughs> Like, how do you weed? Yes. Are you yes. weeding out people? No, no, we do. Uh, we racially segregate. The human okay. race goes into one room and, and <laughs> studies the Constitution. And then the canine race goes into the other room and eats a lot of dog food. Rick, Rick, I say this because we do have some thoughtful Democrats that are a part of our audience. It's amazing. We're, we're capturing. and But they still don't quite, they still have these like, uh, you know, these, I think they're grooves in their brain or something that they can't help it. They still go, wait, but this is still white supremacy. And it's just like, no, 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 you don't understand. If you're, if you, look, if you're there and you're in it, you totally get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they, they've never been around people. They, they hear 600 rounds and they think you're crazy. Like you're, sh you're shooting a gun for 600 or what are you, what are you trying to do? Yeah. They can't understand you're, pre you're preparing people to defend themselves against violent crime. Every, everybody's against immoral crime. I say immoral crime because sometimes they invent crimes that are not immoral, like, That's you know, merely yeah. possession. That's not immoral. Um, so yeah, so we're trying to reach people across the line. This is for men and women. This is for black, white, Mexican, Hispanic, anybody you want to talk. I'm sure there's gay people out there that yeah. want to defend themselves. I mean, Amen. you know, hello, you know, it'd be nice to be able to do that. So, Amen. yeah, absolutely, brother. In fact, I had, a, I had a wonderful lesbian couple at one of our um, uh, trainings. Actually, they've been several times and she pulled me aside the first time they came and she said, you know, Rick, I know, I know you're, you know, very outspoken Christian and, and we don't see eye to eye on, on this issue. Is it okay for us to be here? And I said, are you kidding me? I've, I can lock shields with anybody that's, yeah. that's marching in the same direction on the same right. issue. You care about Liberty. I want you to be able to protect your family. She's actually a former police officer and she's oh. become one of our best supporters. I mean, she, wow. all, anyway, it's just, she gets I, I, it. I'm so glad you mentioned all that because I think, yeah. I mean, race, color, creed, all that. At this point, we ought to be saying, are you an American and do you love liberty? Do you want liberty? Right. And liberty for you may mean something very different than it that it means for me. I'm yeah. fine with you living liberty according to your definition. Yeah. And, yeah I mean, we're kind of past that point where we're going to all agree on what the, the term liberty means. <laughs> that we probably did in the early days of the founding, some differences, but you know, uh, today it's going to be very, very different. And I'm, I have to be okay with that. I, I just don't think we have the luxury yeah, I'm thinking we're gonna get everybody to think the same. My friend Mark Meckler would say we've never thought the same. There were in the mm -hmm. founding era, the different states hated each other. The different delegates hate. I mean, it was not this kumbaya moment where everybody no. was like, "Oh, we're all gonna you know live together in harmony and ha happiness and candy canes and flowers." It's never been like that. I'm sure that there were some heated moments in the Constitutional Convention. Although it is amazing they produced that document in the summertime. <laughs> Yeah, in a in a room with no air conditioning, and they had the the windows, windows shut closed, because it, yeah. they didn't want anybody listening. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That's well, amazing. Yeah. If I could add this real quick, Lucas, the sure. uh, what you were saying earlier about the whole slavery thing and 
Um, I think what people should always do is they look at the founding fathers and I always jokingly say, look, I've studied these guys for 30 years. I found out something amazing. They were human. They actually made mistakes. They sinned. They did evil things just like us. They yeah. were just like us, right? That's and so right. I think you look at them and go, flawed men, no question about it, just like everybody else. There's only one non-flawed person ever walked the earth. Right, so right. I think we say, wow, somehow, some way, those flawed men were used to create the greatest founding documents ever, to create the principles that would lead to a more perfect union, to create a system that would allow us to make freedom not only great in this place, but then be exported around the world. So somehow, some way, the formula that was put in place, even though it was put in place by flawed men, the formula was the best national formula for freedom that we've ever seen. And that's what we've got to get back to because we're still flawed, but the principles yeah. of liberty haven't changed. You you said only one flawed man, unflawed man ever walked the face of the earth. Were you talking about me? Because <laughs> I, I have, I, Curtis. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I, I made a mistake once when I was in 11 back in the eighties, right? It was so. a long time ago. <laughs> That's awesome. Rick, I know that you have to go and we are so grateful for you coming on. We want to be respectful of any kind of heartbreak that you have or any commitments that you have coming up. But well, that one mistake you made in the eighties is forgiven. I know, I'm sure you wore parachute pants uh, once or twice. Um, as I, <laughs> well, I've, I voted for Mondale. Guilty. <laughs> I voted for Mondale. I was in fourth grade. And I, and it, as is our custom, we, uh, we, you know, would canvass the neighborhood for ballots at a certain time of year. And, and I, my, our neighbors voted for Mondale is a better way to put it, um, <laughs> with my signature on it. So that was my mistake. I have repented for it, for it. And, um, I was under the party switch thing that in fourth grade. <laughs> and then I saw the light. And I got really upset with uh, what happened with Nor or Oliver North a couple of years later. And I, that's what changed me. I was like, dad gummit. I was in sixth grade. Actually, yeah, so that was, was the first sixth grade, right? That was the first, th that was actually the first thing, the first political thing I ever followed that, that really? in my, in my consciousness, I, I knew that my parents loved Reagan. I didn't really understand why, but when I, I tried, I remember trying to watch the Oliver North stuff and trying to understand it. And my grandpa liked him. And so I was like, okay, well, that must not be that bad. Uh, what's going on here? He didn't like communists. And then I was like, well, if he didn't like communists, he, of course he's awesome. That's right. So anyway, well, thank you so much for coming on, well, Rick. I've enjoyed it, man. Let's do it again. Okay. Sounds good.